Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here and if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
because we've had some increase in COVID cases in our area, so just to be safe, we have shut things back down here at First Baptist Church, Alamo. A uh, few announcements that we do have, and let me go over those. Of course, you can always give online, or you can send your, your offerings to our P.O. Box 241 here in Alamo. Um, the deacons will continue to monitor the situation for the COVID numbers and reopen Sunday school and our uh, in-class, in-person classes when the community numbers are, are back down to a safe level. Wednesday night ministries are currently youth and general worship in person and online. Uh, at, for right now, we're going to leave the youth online, and we'll, we'll open that back up again when those numbers go back down. And, of course, all of our choir programs are, are currently uh, postponed or closed. Uh, the trunk or treat, for right now, it is still on the schedule. We're going to play that by ear, and, and uh, we'll let you know as we get closer to that date for the 25th. Of course, horseback riding has been canceled uh, for today. We'll reschedule that again when we're able to, to meet again and be able to go down there to Chickasaw on the bus and, and do that. Uh, we want to be praying for our community. Of course, we've got several that have the, in the community that have, have come down with COVID this week. There's a couple of kids in the high school, and we want to pray for them. We've had several of, of uh, the football team and, and uh, other teams that have been quarantined because of that. Uh, we also have a couple of members that are actually in the hospital with it, and we want to remember to pray for them. Mr. Wayne Kinzer and Mrs. Alice Ball are, are both in the, the hospital over in Jackson uh, with complications from COVID, so we definitely want to be praying for them. We want to lift up our girls' volleyball team uh, from the high school. They're going to be going to play in the state tournament on Tuesday. They'll leave and, and go up Tuesday morning, and then they play at 5 o'clock that night, so we definitely want to be uh, lifting them up, travel mercies, and pray that the, God will keep them healthy as they go up there to, to play in the tournament, and just uh, pray that they'll have a great time. But uh, let's pray together, and we'll continue our worship service. Father God, we want to bow before you this morning, and we thank you that we serve a mighty God. We serve a great God, a holy God, a God that cares for us. Lord, there's so many things that are going on in our world today. Uh, uh, COVID, uh, the elections that are going on right now. Well, Lord, we pray that your hand would be upon those things, uh, that you would give our country direction, that we would deny ourselves and do what you 
feel as you want us to do, Lord God. Again, we pray for healing uh, for the, the, the COVID that has just uh, ransacked our world, Lord, and just changed everything. We pray that uh, your hand would be upon that situation. We pray for a cure. Pray for the doctors and the, the ones that are searching for that, that vaccination that will, that will take care of it, Lord, that will keep us healthy. Lord, we do lift up to you Mr. Wayne Kinzer and just pray for, for him. Lord, just give the doctors wisdom as they treat him there in the hospital and uh, pray that you'd help him to, uh, to recuperate quickly. Lord, we pray the same thing for Mrs. Alice Ball. I just pray that you would just uh, give her strength and again, give the doctors wisdom as they're treating her there in Jackson. Lord, we lift up our girls' volleyball team. We pray that you would watch over them as they travel up to Murfreesboro to play in the tournament on Tuesday. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give them traveling mercies. Pray that you would watch over them as they play, help them to, to play with heart. Lord, keep them healthy and just help them to have a, a great time to enjoy that experience. And Lord, we just uh, pray that you'd be with us today as we continue to worship. Lord, that, that uh, you would just bless our service today i pray you bless the preaching as brother chris comes later bless daniel as he as he brings the special music today and lord we just thank you that we serve you we don't serve anybody else lord we can we can come to you we can praise and just because we're not all meeting together does not mean that we are not able to to come together in spirit and to to praise your name today we just thank you that you're a god who hears us regardless of where we're at and we want to thank you for loving us and dying for us we ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. life to give it more abundantly he came to allow us to thrive in this life regardless of what our situation is doesn't mean that, that we'll be out in a big crowd somewhere but it just means that that with if we rely on God if we're focusing on him then our relationship with him is going to thrive
Here in this worn and weary land Where many dreams have died Like a tree planted by the water We never will run dry So living water
because God allows us to thrive, we can always give thanks. We can always bless the Lord and thank Him for all the things that are going on in our lives. Uh, he tells us to do that in all things to give thanks. And if we really search it out, I bet we can find those 10,000 reasons to give thanks. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a
how we long for that day that we'll be with you face to face and we'll be able to just uh, spend eternity in your presence forevermore. Uh, Lord, there's just uh, there's nothing that we look more forward to as Christians than to be in your presence and to know that, that uh, all worries, all sadness, all anxieties will pass away and we will be with you forever and ever. Lord, I just pray that as Daniel brings the messages or brings the special music this morning and Brother Chris brings a message after that, help us to listen. Lord, help us to apply it in our lives, not to forget it as so many times it seems like we do, but to focus on you today, Lord. We love you. We thank you so much for loving us and dying for us. And we ask it in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of you know that uh, today is Daniel's last day with us. He's going to be starting at Melissa's First Baptist as their minister of worship. And so we just want to uh, thank God for Daniel. We appreciate him so much. Uh, he has not just been my son. He has been my unpaid intern for 15 years now. I don't know uh, since he's been able to play anything. He's been our, our pianist. He's been our bassist. He's been our acoustic guy. The Whatever's been missing, the drummer, whatever's been out, Daniel has filled in. He's led worship for me a few times. I think he's even ran sound a few times back there for us. But we just uh, we appreciate you, Daniel, and uh, pray that God will bless you as you begin your ministry there at Melissa's Baptist Church. Remember, oh God. 
Thank you, Daniel. And again, our prayers are going to be with you as you begin uh, your new ministry there at Melissa's. And uh, I know that God has great things for you as well as the, the church there at Melissa's. Um, so we're going to be excited to follow not only your journey, but their journey and y'all's journey together as y'all come together to serve the Lord. Take your Bible and open this morning to 1 John chapter 2, and in just a moment we'll look at verses 1 through 6 together. It is, well, a little bit of a disappointment this morning to say the least because, you know, the last couple of weeks particularly and and for weeks uh, over the last couple of months have been uh, very encouraging as we've been able to come back together and be in person and uh, even the last couple of weeks reopen up our Sunday school ministries and then just this week to kind of have the rug come flying back uh, out from under our feet again with uh, our community and the rocketing cases of COVID that has just exploded everywhere. But uh, this may be the uh, just what we call the the new operating way. I don't want to say the new norm, but just the reality of, of today. So we probably will throttle up and throttle back as we need to in these days until we have a more permanent solution uh, by way of medicine, I'm sure, 
that, uh, that, that arises. Or perhaps Jesus comes back and all this goes away anyway. So I pray for one of those two things is fine with me, medicine or Jesus. I actually think I prefer Jesus coming back. But I'm glad that you're with us this morning online and we are continuing in our uh, series that we have been in, The Heart of Jesus. And we've been looking at uh, His heart. We saw uh, many different aspects of it. And last week we talked about His intercessory heart. This morning I want us to see the heart of the advocate. We find an advocate in the heart of Jesus. So let's, let's look at uh, verses 1 through 6 of 1 John 2. And listen to what John the Beloved said. He says, now my little children, and that's the way that he saw the uh, Christians uh, as uh, children under his discipleship. He said, I'm writing these things, these letters to you, so that you, listen, may not sin. But if anyone does sin, now listen to what John says, we have an advocate with the Father. And that's going to be the subject of today, that advocate that is with the Father. And then he tells us so that we don't have to doubt who that advocate is. It is Jesus Christ. And then he describes Jesus and, and gives us an adjective for Jesus, and he is the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. In other words, he is the uh, penalty payment for the sins that we have, and not only ours, John says, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments as a liar, is not, not being truthful. And the truth is not in him, John says. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about that word abiding when we were talking about the joy of Jesus and, and we find it when we abide in him as he is in the Father. Atticus Finch, a name that may be familiar with you if you are much of a reader or if you remember being required to read the book uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, you would recognize that name. He has been one of the most beloved characters in literature for well over 50 years, uh, and many a student in school has had to read or perhaps seen the play or the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. Atticus Finch is the model of a principled white attorney who spoke out against racial injustice in what is Harper Lee's acclaimed novel To Kill a Mockingbird. He's pictured in that novel as a gentle father who guides his children by example rather than fear. And he's a lawyer there in a small uh, town, Macomb, Alabama. Uh, the story, uh, as we read it, we discover Art, uh, Atticus Finch has drawn the ire of the townsfolk, uh, particularly the white townspeople, uh, because he has agreed to defend a black man by the name of Tom Robinson in the book who is accused of a heinous crime against a white girl. And in the book, Tom faces an all-white jury 
and the outcome is more than baked into the imagination of what's going to happen to Tom in this small town in Alabama uh, against an all-white jury uh, and their attitude towards uh, minorities. Atticus's uh, character in the book draws the admiration of his young daughter, uh, Jean Louise uh, Finch, who in the book is referred to as Scout. That's a nickname. And really the, the whole book is kind of told in what's called a narrative form. She's telling the story of her father. And in that book, you, you really read about her admiration for her father. Now, what you may not know is that there's actually a second novel. Most of us just know the one, To Kill a Mockingbird. But Lee Harper wrote another novel that's entitled Go Set a Watchman. It is also set in Macomb, Alabama, and it also deals with Atticus Finch. And uh, it's the picture of Atticus Finch's life later on. Scout has been living in New York. She has come back home. And when she gets back home, she discovers now that her father, who she so admired and uh, uh, respected in that first novel, now has a problem with her father. And she finds that her father, Atticus, now sits on a newly organized uh, board of citizens who oppose the interference, as they see it, from the Supreme Court as well as the NAACP uh, as it applies to uh, racial intermixing and segregation within their community. And Atticus Finch is one of those that thinks that what's happening in this new racial uh, uh, push is threatening the way of their everyday life. Now you may say, why do you tell us this story or refer to these two novels? Well, just the way that Lee Harper addresses uh, what's going on here, I think is a good illustration of what I want us to be careful of uh, in the message this morning. Uh, you see, we read that first book and we think, well, that it's all about racial injustice. But what uh, Harper Lee was actually doing was talking about her father. She was talking about her personal struggle in the way that she grew up to see her own father. You know, as a young child, she had such admiration for her father. And then when she got older, she realized that life's a lot more complex than that. And that her dad really is just as human as everybody else is. And he has his own flaws. It's, it's really not a book about racial injustice so much as it is how she viewed her own dad. Well, with that thought in mind, I want to ask you this morning, how do you look at Jesus? When you hear the name Jesus, when you think about Jesus, and particularly as John talks about Jesus in these verses, Jesus the righteous, how do you see him? Do you see Jesus as your friend? Do you see Jesus as your foe? There's a lot of folks that uh, really won't come to Jesus because in their heart, in their mind, they think, well, Jesus is just out to get them. Jesus is out to strike them down because of his uh, righteousness and holiness. And, and, and I have met people in my own 
a walk and witness that, that put off coming to Christ because they just don't feel very good about themselves and they don't see Jesus as a friend but a foe. And I think one of the great failures that we have today is in the way that, that we disciple and we show people the complete picture of our Lord and Savior. We've been pretty poor at discipleship, particularly in the body of Christ. Uh, and I want to say that I'm talking about my own self here. For example, when you use the word discipleship, what comes to mind? For me, what comes to mind is knocking on doors and telling people about Jesus. I mean, when I was in the youth group at First Baptist there in Jackson years ago, I remember going through multiple discipleship classes as a youth, and we were always talking about our evangelism efforts of going out and winning one to Christ and that one winning another to Christ and that one winning another to Christ. And that's certainly an aspect of discipleship. It is certainly a, a, a desire and a goal of, of discipleship. But the discipleship, real discipleship's much deeper than that and it's much bigger than that. It, it's really a focused in on understanding who Jesus is. And as we've gone through this series together, The Heart of Jesus, that's been our goal, to disciple our heart and our mind and to see the clearer picture of who Jesus is. And that his heart really does beat for us, to encourage us to, to fall in love with Jesus all over again, to, to fall deeply in love with Jesus, because when we see him, we see that Jesus is our beautiful wonderful friend not only our not just our savior but our friend i think a lot of times many come to christ for that eternal fire insurance and and that is a good thing no doubt i mean you mean if we're not saved then we we've really got a big problem but god wants more than that for us he wants for us to love him as he loves us and so that's what we've been discovering that the heart of Jesus is lowly and gentle. That the heart of Jesus lives compassionately. And that he loves us with passion like he did that leper. And, and he's willing to get messy with our lives. And that Jesus is filled with joy. He, he's not a joy killer. And he wants for you and I to have life and to have it abundantly. And to know the joy of his heart. And to have the joy that he has in our heart. And that's what all the abiding is about. And that he really does have a praying heart. And we said last week, every moment of every minute, of every day, of every hour that we breathe and walk this earth, Jesus is at prayer for us. Right now, in this moment, as we're hearing the Word of God, as we're reading the Word of God, as we're studying the Word of God, as we're looking up to him, Jesus is at prayer for us. And that's a beautiful thing. But we're going to see another aspect today. That the heart of Jesus beats as our advocate. Verse 2 really is, or verse 1 really is the key verse. He says, my children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But anyone who does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, how closely we relate to the intercessory heart of Jesus is also how close we can relate to the advocacy of Jesus. They're similar, but they're different. 
even the words are different. The nuances of the words are different. You see, intercession has the idea of mediating between two parties and bringing them together. We talked about that last week. It's, it's two individuals and someone comes between them and is kind of mediating. That's the idea of intercession. Advocacy is different. It has the idea of that third party coming in and aligning themselves with one of the other parties. In other words, it doesn't just simply stand between the two parties and mediates. It actually comes and stands with the other in solidarity. It joins with the other. So here we have the big question of the passage that, that is answered for us today. And here's the big question. Here's what I want you to hear today. If you should sin, if you should stumble, if you should fail in the righteousness of God, what is your resource then according to Scripture? How can you still be right with God? How can you still be acceptable to God? How can you still be forgiven by God? I mean, if you've blown it. Well, in a phrase, the advocacy of Christ. Here's the other difference between intercession and advocacy. The intercession of Jesus is always ongoing. It never stops. Jesus has been praying for you since you woke up this morning, and he'll continue to pray for you long after you've gone to bed tonight and you are asleep in la-la land. Jesus is praying for you. It never ends. It exists forever over your life as a child of God. But advocacy happens only when we need it. It's in that moment of our need that Jesus comes and he aligns himself with us and he stands with us. The intercession of Jesus brings us into the presence of God our Father. The advocacy of Jesus keeps us in communion with God our Father. It keeps us in that presence. You and I will blow it at some point we'll sin. That's the truth. That's the reality. Just like the reality that we're in today. I mean, there'll be some Sundays where we can throttle things back up and we can go strong for Jesus. And then until there's some answer to, well, the COVID mess, when the numbers kick up and the worry kicks in, we throttle it back down and we tell everybody to stay home and hunker in. The same is true with the advocacy of Jesus. There are times in our life where we're rocking and rolling for Christ. We're moving along. We're rolling for Him. I mean, we're hitting on all cylinders. And then there comes that moment where we blow it. We do something we know we shouldn't do. We say something we shouldn't say. We, we fail in some way. Maybe we just get indifferent about Christ in our life. We just stop putting Him as the focus of our life. And, and, and the wheels to our, our, our Christian walk come off. And, you know, we're, we're beside that spiritual road with a flat tire or two. And it's in that moment that Christ comes and stands with us. Isn't it wonderful to know that we don't lose our salvation every time we mess up? If you read through the letters of John, I mean, we read it this morning two or three times just in the six verses that we read. John says, and we know, and we know, and you may know. Over and over he talks about in his letters that we can know that we know that we know that we're saved. How do we know that we don't lose salvation when we mess up? Well, because Jesus is 
our advocate. He aligns himself with us. He stands with us. He's on our side. He's on our team before holy God. I want you to see three pictures that I think are important that we can draw from our verses together this morning that remind us about the heart of Jesus who is our advocate. Number one, don't hold sin. Listen to what he says in verse one. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you, listen, may not sin. Now John's aim is that we don't sin. What is sin? Well, 1 John 3 verse 4 tells us everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness and that sin is lawlessness. So what is sin? Sin is lawlessness. Well, what does that mean? Well, in other words, sin is refusal to submit to God. In a word, sin is insubordination. Suppose for a moment you work a job, and let's say that uh, your job involves, well, mopping the floor. Just make it something rather simple and easy. And your boss comes in and he says to you, oh, I need for you to mop the floor. And then you turn to your boss who writes your check, who hired you, uh, who you work for, and you say, I'm not doing it. What is that? That's insubordination. And what happens if you're insubordinate, you could lose your job. I mean, think of it uh, in terms of someone maybe serving in the armed forces. Insubordination is a very big thing in the military. I mean, if you uh, have a general that comes in and perhaps tells a private to do something, that private says to a general, I'm not doing it. That's big, that's big stuff. Not only would they uh, get in trouble, they probably would be, what, uh, put in the brig or something because of insubordination. When we sin as Christians, we're being insubordinate to God. We're being insubordinate to his word, to his will in our life. And, uh, you know, we see it all the time being played out. Uh, insubordination, a child to a parent, a student to a teacher, an employee to a boss, a plaintiff to a judge. You know, it happens. And the greatest insubordination is when the creature is insubordinate to the creator. When we as people are insubordinate to God. And John is saying, sin's a big thing. And he says, don't hold on to sin. Let me also say there are four reasons why sin is so serious. And John pretty well deals with these in his letter. It, one, insults the suffering of Christ. I mean, it is really an affront to what Christ went through on Calvary's cross when we're insubordinate and we live a life of sin as a child of God. We're saying, yeah, so what? Jesus died on the cross. No big thing. It's not taking seriously what Christ suffered on Calvary's cross for us. A second thing sin uh, means in terms of its seriousness is this. It suggests that we have a nature of Satan rather than a nature of God. You see, when you're a child of God, you've been born anew. You've been born again. And now you have what? A spirit of God. You have a spirit of Christ. But when you hold on to sin, 
It's saying, well, I identify more with Satan than I do with God, my Father. Third, sin is serious because it jeopardizes our assurance of salvation. The number one cause of doubt, doubt of salvation, doubt of eternal security, is sin. That's number one. As a matter of fact, I've never really met someone who's struggled with doubt who didn't have in their life sin at work. It may not be a great sin or a real grievous sin as we think about it in the Word of God, but that individual knows enough about themselves to know that they're not perfect and not altogether completely righteous in and of themselves. And it is the sin that exists that makes them and worries them about missing out on the promise of God and salvation. Sin is usually at the root of why we doubt that we are saved when we're truly saved. And fourth, finally, sin is serious because it can put you beyond the reach of hope. And this is really John's word to those who are not saved. You see, there are those that, as John, uh, 1 John 5, verses 16 and 17 say, uh, if they continue on in sin, they can commit a sin that actually leads to death. And, and, and that's pride that gets in our life that says, I'm going to choose me over God, and I'm going to do it my way and not his way. And so sin can lead to putting a person beyond hope. In other words, even God can't get through the stubbornness. So sin is serious. There's a seriousness to sin. And John is saying, don't sin. And he's saying that the truest test of Christ being in our heart is tied to the attitude we have towards obedience and obedience to his word. But from time to time, we're going to stumble. From time to time, we're going to sin. We're not going to live an entire life without, at some point, messing up. But when we do mess up, well, what does it mean? And, and how do we have hope? It's because Christ, and he's our advocate. A second thing that John says to us here, not only don't hold on to sin, but don't help Satan. My little children, I'm writing these things to you, he says, so that you may not sin. But anyone who does sin, we may have an advocate with the Father, or we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. John says you and I have an advocate. That is, we have someone who stands with us, someone who's in solidarity with us. That means we have a friend. That means that we have someone on our side. We have one who is willing to defend us, but listen, it's more than just willing to defend us. He is able to defend us, and he's able to defend us to the very end. It implies that we what? Have an enemy. If we have someone willing to defend us, it implies that we also have someone who is willing to accuse us. Well, who is that? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to doubt it. We don't have to question it because the Bible tells us exactly who that person is, and it's the, the devil. He's called the accuser of the brethren. Listen to what Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says. 
And John says there, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority his Christ have come for, listen, the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. One reason that Christ prays for you and I every day, one reason he never stops praying for us is because Satan never stops accusing us. And I thought about that. I thought about that for just a moment. Satan never stops accusing you and I before the presence of God. That doesn't mean that you and I are guilty of anything. It just means he's accusing us. I mean, you know, uh, I think one of the things that we've seen sometimes play out in, in uh, uh, politics, particularly as we think about, you know, Supreme Court nominations and and we've seen this through the years where, you know, there's been someone who's been uh, put up for a nomination and then unfortunately they have accusations brought against them. And, you know, it, it, typically in our society, it's, you know, you're, you're innocent to, until proven guilty. But if someone's accusing you of something, it pretty well feels like you're guilty no matter what you say. And, and the process on a human standpoint is flawed, isn't it? Because of the political uh, thoughts and, 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 and motives behind all the whole thing. But aren't you glad to know that even though Satan would constantly, every day, accuse you before God, whether you're guilty or not, that, Satan, that Jesus is there praying for you? Jesus is there praying for our strength. He's praying for our heart. He's praying for our mind. He's praying for our steadfastness. He's praying for us. But then think about this. When the moment comes and we've been caught in the accusation, the aha moment, when Satan can say, well, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, they did this, God, and there's beyond any doubt, and we know it, the world knows it, we're sinners. What then? At that moment, Christ, who's been our intercessor, now becomes our advocate. And begins to advocate on our case. Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit isn't just some power or force. But he's a real person just like him. And you say, why do you, why do you bring that up in this discussion? Because I got good news for you. Listen, not only do you have one attorney who advocates for you. You actually have two who advocate for you. There's two advocates. Listen, for example, what Jesus says in John 14 and uh, verses 16 through 20. And I will ask the Father, he says, and he will give you another helper. And the Greek word there is a word that means another of the same kind. Someone just like me. Well, what is that? An advocate. Just like I'm your advocate, the Holy Spirit will be your advocate to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it either sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you, he says, as orphans. In other words, I won't leave you defenseless. He says, I will come to you yet in a little while. The world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And in that day, you live 
uh, you will know that I am the Father, uh, am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then listen to what he says in verses 25 and 27 of John 14. John says, these things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Spirit, or the, uh, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance all I've said to you. And then Jesus says, because I'm giving you this Helper who is like me, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it do I give it to you. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says we have double the help. We have double the advocate. That means that, 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 that Christ is our first advocate and the Holy Spirit is our second advocate. Now we don't have time to dig very deep into this, but just know that what Jesus is saying is that we have double the defense attorneys. But now, what I do want you to know is that they have two different roles. Jesus is our advocate unto the Father for us. And whatever mud Satan would throw at you and I, whatever accusation is hurled at us, does not stick to us as a child of God because Jesus is there making advocacy on our behalf. However, what does apply in our life, what is not right in our life, what needs to be fixed in our life, what has been sin in our life, the Holy Spirit is what? At the judgment bar of our heart telling us about our life saying, you know what, Chris? You need to change that. You need to confess that. You need to repent of that. You see, both are doing an advocate work. One on our behalf to the Father and our standing with God and the other on the inside of our life and how we're walking with God. You know, I think one of maybe the most beautiful pictures of this in all of the Bible is Peter. You remember the story of Peter. Jesus is talking about all that he's going to go through. And he's talking not only about what he's going to go through, but what the disciples are going to go through. And he says, guys, it's going to get bad. I'm going to be taken. I'm going to be I'm going to be strung up and and hung on a cross. And and Jesus is really telling them about what's coming. And they, they can't believe their ears. And And then Jesus says, you guys are going to desert me. You're you're going to melt away. You're you're going to run and hide. And that's more than Peter's heart can take. And Peter is a loyal guy. Loyalty is a big thing on on the the things about Peter. He's a loyal guy. He's a a courageous guy. And he says, that's never going to happen. I'll die for you, Jesus. And in the moment that Jesus is, is, is telling Peter, uh, and the disciples, what's going on? Pride filled Peter's heart. He, he was being insubordinate to Jesus and to the, what the Holy Spirit was speaking. And, and Jesus chastens Peter and says, Peter, before the, the cock crows three times, you will have denied me three times. And Peter couldn't believe his ears. And it, and it quieted Peter down. But we know the story. 
before the morning came, three times Peter had denied his Lord. And you know what the Bible says? That Peter, after that, went out and wept bitterly. Do you know what was going on there? The Holy Spirit was speaking to Peter's heart about what had happened. The Bible tells us that after the resurrection that Christ went to Peter and there's a second, there's a, there's, a, there's a meeting that's a private meeting just between Jesus and Peter. We don't know what was said. It's not recorded in the Bible, the, that meeting. We just know that, that he had met with Peter. But there was a time and a place where Jesus and Peter got together privately. Later on in the Gospels, we read that, that the disciples are with Jesus after the resurrection. They're on that seashore and and, and then it seemingly comes out of the blue, Peter is asked by Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, what? Do you love me? And in three separate confessions, Peter is able to say to the Lord in his brokenness, and even from his brokenness, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus restores Peter to his position to be the leader of, of the church that was going to be born very shortly. Peter is an example of what happens in our own life. On one hand, Christ deals with us and deals with where we stand before God the Father. And on the other hand, we have the Spirit working in us, speaking to us. What I want you to know is there's no sin that's going to be excused. There's no sin that's over, overlooked. There's, there's no sin out there that uh, is somehow going to slip under the rug. And, and, and don't get the idea that as a Christian, you and I can sin and get away with it because Christ is advocating on our behalf. Because I'm going to tell you, the same Christ that is advocating on our behalf is also speaking to us in our heart about our sin. A lot of times people will say, well, how, what, how does a person really know that maybe they're, they're saved or not? I'll tell you, one of the, the, I think the best ways that we can know that we're saved is based on how do we feel after we blow it and we've sinned. A genuine Christian, a, a genuine child of God cannot sin and, and, and be okay with it. They're miserable. There's, there's no peace. There's no connection with God. And until they have gone with, uh, 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 to the advocate of the Holy Spirit in their own heart and made right what's been wrong, there will be no peace. But I will also say this about sin. There is no sin that, that carries a double penalty. The question isn't if our sins, uh, sin debt will be paid, but where will they be paid and by whom? And if Christ has paid the debt for our sin, they've been forgiven. And so when Satan is there and he comes before the Father and he says, oh, here's brother so-and-so and here's sister so-and-so, they've sinned and they've done it and maybe you did do it and, and you have done it and you are guilty. Christ says, but Dad, I've already paid for that. You can't judge them because you've already judged it in me. And they're not guilty because you declared me guilty. And the Father says, they're, they're without sin. Now, as a child of God, the Spirit of God says, yeah, but you know where you're living. You know how you're living. 
And you know what your Savior has done for you to give you that forgiveness. And if you really love him the, the way that he, that he loves you, you don't do these things. You confess and you repent. You see, that's the way the advocacy works. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news. I mean, I, I think that's some of the best news that the Bible has to give. Because I got news for you, and I'm going to say this about your pastor this morning. I'm going to probably fail this week. I probably won't make it through this day. At some point, I'll do something that probably doesn't fit with God's will and God's word in my life. No matter how purposed and intended I am, there's probably somewhere I'm going to mess up, particularly this week. And Satan's going to be there. Matter of fact, he's already there this morning. Right before God the Father saying, yeah, but Chris is this and Chris is that. And, and perhaps some things are true and some things aren't true, but it doesn't matter. I don't worry about that because Christ is there saying, yeah, but Dad, I've paid those sins. And they've been paid in full. And what isn't right and what needs to be right, I don't have to worry about because Jesus has said, I'm going to send another helper like me to speak to you and help you live what you know you ought to do. That's good news. And that brings us to the third and final point. Don't hog salvation. Verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is the payment for our sins. But now listen to what John says. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. John does not mean that, that all of God's wrath against sin of every person in, in the world uh, has been uh, uh, propitiated because every person in the world would be saved. Listen to what John 3.36 says. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not uh, see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What John is saying is the wrath of God is propitiated only for those who have obeyed the Son of God, but the good news is Christ has died for all, that their sins can be Paid for. Listen to Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest, shown apart from the law, although, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe, for there is no distinction for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Payment is now attached to the blood of Christ to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And that statement Paul says, the writer Romans says, the righteousness of Christ has been applied to our life through the blood of Christ in our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. Christ has paid the, the price. We have the good news. And the world has received the good news that we need to share. Their sins too can be covered. And so here's the message of John. Don't hold on to sin. Don't help Satan. And don't hog salvation. And so I say to you this morning, if you do sin, and, and 
if you live long enough, you will. Don't despair. For Christ is your attorney. And the good news is he's the son of the judge. And let me say, if you are living in sin, if you are with, without salvation this morning, you don't have to despair because there's hope. The same Christ that has forgiven me, washed me, cleansed me of my sin can cleanse you, forgive you of your sins. He's made the same promise. And he asked the same thing. He doesn't ask more of some and less of others. He asked the same. Will you put your faith in me? Will you confess your sin and believe in your heart that I am the righteousness of God that was sent to die and pay the price on Calvary's cross that in faith, that is trust and belief, when you put that in me, that my blood will wash and cleanse you before holy God. Perhaps maybe this morning you're listening and you, you didn't do this because you're at home and you didn't have to get up and go anywhere. But for me this morning, you know, one of the first things that I did was to jump in the shower. And I want to tell you, I was rough this morning. I mean, I hadn't shaved in four days. I had the, 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 I had the beard going. And uh, I, I had showered yesterday morning, but I didn't shave or anything. But I had gotten up yesterday, and I, I had decided that Saturday was so, so pretty, I was going to spend the day what I call doing smoker Saturday. We had bought some ribs and some brockwurst, and, and that's for lunch today, by the way. Y'all come on over. Uh, but I was going to put those on early in the morning, and I was going to smoke them. Now, I watched football, had a good lunch and good dinner yesterday. I washed up a little bit last night, but I didn't really wash up. I just, you know, kind of washed up in general and went to bed. Got up this morning, I still had a little, I could smell that smoke from yesterday on me. I thought, boy, I, I, I got to get my shower. And it felt so good to get that shower and to get clean and to, and, and to just get back to being presentable. Not just to other people, just, just to myself. I didn't even want to see myself in the mirror before. Can I say to you that that's the way that you can feel on the inside if you don't know Christ and you come to him today? You can get clean, dear friend. I don't know what your sins may be. I, I don't know what it is that Satan's accusing you of that, that, that you stand guilty. That that doubts assail your heart and your mind about ever getting into heaven. But I can tell you, you can have a holy shower. You can have that holy bath in the blood of Christ. And I don't care how good you've been, what a kind of good person you've been, unless you've been through Jesus, you cannot go to heaven. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if you're not born again you cannot enter the kingdom of god but the good news is that you can and as christians this morning we stand we pray and we declare christ our savior your savior but also christ our advocate 
who wants to be your advocate. Not just to the Father, but into your heart. And all you have to do is open your heart and ask him to come in. Our Heavenly Father this morning, perhaps someone's listening, maybe someone will listen to the message later on this week. And in this message, in your promise of your word, they will open their heart and say these things. Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Savior and Lord. I confess my sin, I know my sins, and I know that I'm a sinner before your holy eyes. But Jesus, I trust that you are willing to make the payment for my sin, that you're willing to forgive me, and that now you're willing to be my advocate, both to the Father and in my heart. And in your blood, I put my faith, and in your name, I ask for salvation. Lord, if that prayer's been prayed, if someone has prayed that prayer, and that's the first time they've ever prayed it, in that moment, in this moment, they are now a child of God, born again. They've stepped out of the shower. All the sin, all the dirt, all the stink of this old worldly ugliness has just now been washed away. They are forever a new person. Doesn't mean they'll be a perfect person, but means they are a new person. A person who's going to do their best not to hold on to sin. A person who's going to do their best not to help Satan. And a person now who's not going to hog salvation because they have experienced the liberation that comes from being set free in your name, Jesus. And Jesus, what good news that is. And it's the news to share. That's our prayer this morning as we finish this message. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today. Thank you.